0: We have hope, hope that things can get better, and they will. The Bizzle! I'm called the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, <laughs> thank you. For- the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Alright, Bizzlecasters, welcome back to the Bizzles Daily Rebels for some more great Star Wars Rebels action. We are in Season 3, Episode 4 or 5, Hera's Heroes. We are back on her home planet, and we're going to see her daddy. Things are not looking good for the Twi'leks who are resisting, as always, but her and her dad are on great terms from after they got through the little hiccup from Season 2, and if the first episode between the between Shams and Hera was the reconciliation and getting on the same page and on the same side, um, and, and her father realizing how capable Hera is, but also how right she is about this the actual gravity of the situation, but also that they maybe can win if they are smart and work together, um this is all about how far Hera will go and what she will sacrifice. In order to beat the Empire, and there's major reverberations of Princess Leia, especially the the ruthless Leia we get in the comics and that's hinted out in the movies but we really get in the Leia comics and in the books um, and, and I'll get back to the, that that um, there's a very powerful moment um, with Leia where she has to admit that what she did on Alderaan, then she would do it again and again and again if it meant beating the Empire and the greater cause obviously they they, they weren't going to commit genocide on Star Wars Rebels on Disney x d but it's the same sentiment ultimate and letting her own poor part of her own world burn to win more cool beasties i mean this would those would look so bad and terrible and unrealistic uh you know mixed with the real people on the big screen it looks great with the animation style here. You know, the more I watch Clone Wars and Rebels, it's just clear to me. I just prefer everything about Rebels, including the animation style. Clone Wars is just exhausting. The writing is nowhere near as good for the dialogue. It's, it's way less colorful. Even though it is stylized and much higher budget with the big battles, it, you know, you ultimately get tired of seeing it over and over again. Here's Ezra on the guns. Yeah, those big those big tanky tanks. I mean, it's a great design, even though they're just giant, you know, rectangular, cubic things. The Imperial Tanks. They're like, how can we make a tank look even more like a tank than the tanks we know from the 20th and 21st century? So, we talked a little bit about the French accent thing. You know, that comes from the Clone Wars portrayal of Twi'leks having a French accent. Whatever. You know, we just assume that the Hera, you know started talking you know in like quote unquote normal <laughs> you didn't think that third digit is a zeb uh, yeah uh, you know I, I mean in clone wars this scene it would be a droid and they decapitate him here it's a real person the stormtrooper and zeb just punches them i'm not gonna kill them if they don't have to i mean there, there's like an, an unnecessary amount of either death or just like creative ways of decapitating and killing droids in clone wars um but it does seem like Hera would have just, you know, over time a- a- adopted the sort of normal, not normal, you know, mainstream accent. Although there isn't really a mainstream accent, right, in Rebels, because half the people are British and half are American. So who fucking knows? Who cares? Captain's Eleven. Okay, so w- I, we we were teased Thrawn at the beginning of the season. I'm not sure we've seen a ton of him since then we've seen price we've seen Callus, um and uh first of all i should remember i i should mention that this the guy who plays shams and doula is a same voice actor who does shams and a bunch of voices in the clone wars as well so another really cool voice actor and character they were able to, to port over and make a major part of two episodes and over two seasons they could have really done more with with, with the the Twi'leks. I guess they felt they had told the this, this, the arc of the Sindulla family enough here, and then Hera's development just continues elsewhere as the, as the war rages across the galaxy, and they keep finding their way back to Lothal. Hmm right this is just a mission to save their heritage you know which is important it's so what are you fighting for thing and even though spoiler alert ends her- up blowing up the heritage so that the empire can't have it and to show how ruthless they can be they have to at least try and you know what if if they can't have it then there's certainly no way in hell they're gonna let thrawn have it and it it this is important early in the thrawn uh the, the Rebels Thrawn, as opposed to the Thrawn we got in the books in the 90s that's, you know, related but unrelated. It's not canon. I got canon Thrawn. So canon Thron, new Thrawn. It was important early to to show that he would have a, an actual, like, respect and admiration of the Rebels. Um and the, But and the Rebels had to send some because you know normally the empire just exploits the fact that they're always trying to help one another and help innocent people and that's how you know if the, it, so if the empire can't get you then they go after all the people that you love i mean that's typical bad guy stuff right um and uh you know that's why daredevil and batman wear masks it's exactly for that reason to protect themselves to protect i'm sorry to protect the people closest to them um oh, sabine special baby boom boom oh multicolor rainbow explosions hello um but uh you know what sometimes you have to do scorched earth tactics yourself in order to fight those who are doing scorched earth tactics and that is what this episode is ultimately about and uh it's especially clever because you're going you really shouldn't be risking lives and pretty much everything you've got to save some artwork and you know heritage items as important as that is uh but because it ends up being a giant FU to Thrawn and the message sent of what Harris is capable and willing to do... Um this whole thing ends up being way more important than than it seems uh, initially, which Rebels does as well as as any you know show of this type out there. Not that there's a lot of shows like this out there. So it should be mentioned that Grand Admiral Thrawn is voiced brilliantly by Lars Mikkelsen, <coughs> brother of Mads, um, who's you know a fam- pretty famous actor known mostly to my generation from Hannibal, and of course playing Galen Erso brilliantly, 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 brilliantly in Rogue One. A movie that you might be aware I'm I'm quite fond of. (laughs) And and the relationship with the Ursos that you also might be aware I'm quite fond of. Um, Numa, who's one of the sidekicks, is voiced by Catherine, a.k.a. Cat Tabor, who voiced Padme so wonderfully in the Clone Wars. And we're getting her back in the Clone Wars saved Um, Siege of Mandalore episodes. I I love how quickly... It would almost be unrealistic realistic to how quickly they get Chopper in and out of his various paint jobs, but that's why it's so brilliant that Sabine such a, such an unbelievably brilliant and, tal- and talented artist, is that you totally could believe that she would get it down to a science, where she could do it in 5, 10, 15 minutes mo- max. I don't think they gave Sabine her art skills just for that, but when you combine the fact that she uses paint explosions, you know, draws the sign of the phoenix, and she uses her artwork, to, but also to express... Her, her feelings and her anger and her culture and her heritage i mean they, they use sabine's artwork and the way she styles her costumes and her hair it just it does so much for for her character but also for you know for plot building character building i mean it's just absolutely brilliant i wonder when the development process they stumbled onto not just that sabine would be an artist but how exactly that would fit with her also being an explosive expert and a great fighter and just her overall personality oh there it is What's it called? The Kala Kulai Kala? That was easy. Shut up, Ezra. There's the painting. That's going to be a big part of the episode. It's a beautiful painting, too. It's like a stained glass, almost, painting of Harris family. And that's how Theron is able to identify her. Because that's Theron. He's a genius. I mean, if, if his subordinates would just listen to his orders, and if the other people in charge of the Empire, including the Emperor, would just listen to Th- Theron's plan, the, the Empire would clearly win. Um the Death Star wouldn't have been a priority. They would have had tons of TIE Defenders and superstar Destroyers, and they could just burn the whole galaxy to the ground. So, right, so you can have the mustache-twirling villains who are dumb, and just one-dimensional power-hungry, and you can have the mustache-twirling villains who everything's a plot, and even when the Rebels win, it's all a plot. But what they do smartly here, even though it's not new although, you know, it is well executed with Thrawn, is sometimes Thrawn lets the Rebels win, but sometimes the Rebels surprise him, but he takes the lesson from it, and so he he doesn't look at any loss as a true loss, even when it's unexpected and it's not part of his plans, because he's so busy analyzing them and learning more about them, and, uh, you know, I mean, if it's not for the Bendu, these guys all get murdered at the end of of the season, in a final battle that that's not amazing in my opinion. But it's made up for grey with with the season four confrontations. I sometimes wonder if they introduced Thrawn too early. Maybe he should have been a slightly less part, uh, slightly less big of a part. Let me rephrase that. He should have played a slightly smaller part, perhaps, introduced him more slowly in Season 3, had another villain, you know, with the Ahsoka Vader dynamic in 2, you know, we could have had more price and and made the Callus intrigue a little bit more interesting in Season 3, slowly bring on Thrawn. You could still have these episodes here where he's learning about the Rebels, getting involved, you know, reassigned from a different part of the galaxy to take care of this particular problem, start learning about them, stealing their art, learning from their art, and all that good stuff. Character building... But it's, I'm getting ahead of myself, but as we'll see in the final battles of battle of season three, they had to hold back knowing that they would need an even more epic series of final battles in season four. So back to here, great Walker action, really cinematic camera We're looking in the ground up you know, at the bad guys. So the camera's looking up at the, you know, the stormtroopers and the walkers down at the rebels. It's stressing, you know, who's in control, um, you know, who has the power. I mean, Chopper's red and black paint job is super sleek and sexy. Uh, I have to say, it's an amazing look. I mean, he's not really Chopper when he's not orange. But the fact that his personality and his movements come through no matter what he looks like is is great. (laughs) Is that thing talking to us? (sighs) The the, the actors probably say that to Dave Filoni all the time. You know, to joke around. You know, he's doing... Chopper's voice, this is the showrunner Faloni. Is that thing talking to us? That crazy creative creature known as Dave Filoni. So she immediately because she's in, you know, scrubs basically, you know, she's wearing her work gear, she immediately starts playing deferential, puts on her accent, tries to walk away as a servant. So the question is has Thrawn already identified who this is, or is he just having an, an inkling of a sneaking suspicion? probably somewhere in between and that's the other cool thing about how they play thrawn is even when he's smarter than he should be or you know or letting rebels get away with things but it's always morphing like it's not like everything's planned out from the beginning of season three to the end of season four with thrawn he is adapting and changing even within episodes certainly across the course of the of the two seasons and the series in general And, you know, trying to discern the tiny bit of emotion and expressiveness on his face to see kind of where he's at in his, you know, in his schemes, but also his, you know, analyses and just, um, you know, kind of creative, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, detective work, really. I mean, he's he's an amazing investigator in addition to a a phenomenal tactician, his biggest problem is that he's so much smarter and has so much more vision than his subordinates and that they don't you know they they go against his orders because he's operating on such a high level and that's the thing i mentioned this before but we have to assume that the best and some of the best like in the matrix some of the best and the brightest go immediately to the rebellion immediately drawn to the rebellion and so even though there's outnumbered by the thousands and tens of thousands or more from the from the Empire, the rebels do have a much, much, much higher average skill level, right? And they have all the best pilots. Um or not all the best pilots, but like all of their pilots are good pilots. The Empire has very few good pilots because they keep throwing grunts out there. Um but, you know, even when when Thrawn orders like one of his commanders on another Star Destroyer to do something, they won't listen to him. And uh <laughs> It can be frustrating as a Watcher. Like, you're frustrated for Thrawn, even though we are rooting for the Rebels. It can be frustrating to just see Thrawn so brilliant and so close to crushing them constantly and foiled as much by his own people, at least, as by the uh, by the enemy, by the Rebels. But yeah, I mean, the Rebels need to have Hera's and Wedge's and Ezra's and Luke's and Mon Mothma's and Leia's and so forth to have any chance and hope of surviving those cassians etc 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 that 's why it 's critical that the side of spirituality is on the side of the rebels with the force, and that Vader is the only open open uh, force user on the empire 's side and that they don 't trust Vader specifically because of his you know, his old ways and magic and hocus pocus, which, you know, we see with uh, some of the officers on the Death Star and, and New Hope. So from the very early conception, Vader, too, is thwarted by, you know, provincial, um, well, not just subordinates, but even people who are like mostly on his level in terms of command structure. I mean, by the, you know, by the end of Empire, Vader is clearly number two to the Palpatine on all levels, but in New Hope, he, he you know, Tarkin outranks him in terms of certain military decisions when it comes to the Death Star and the fleets. Vader ends up being right about the Death Star being maybe a bad idea, and that's partially why he gets promoted by the Emperor. I mean, the Emperor doesn't let down on challenging Vader in the comics between episodes four and five, um, but uh, here we go. Forgive him. I thank you for your hospitality. This is great. He's being polite. He's being polite to the rebels. You know, he's the he's the again. I've I've compared him to you know Peter Dinklage's character in uh, uh, Trask. Um, in the uh, oh, this is like the only time we ever see Thrawn really almost lose it on one of his own people. He's about to murder him. These 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 provincial, uh, ignorant short-sighted idiots below him, right, I'm conducting an experiment, exactly, he sees everything as an experiment, he's scientific, so just like Peter Dinklage, you know, who says he quote-unquote respects the mutants, but his way of respecting the mutants is, is capturing them, torturing them, experimenting on them, throwing them in camps, trying to figure out how to steal their powers, and, you know, eventually wipe them out, and yet he says he respects them and admires them, that's the sort of, you know, the, the, like, it if you have like the grunt nazis and then you've got the bureaucratic nazis and then you've got the military nazis but then you have the sort of the intellectual nazis right like like the wagnerian writing nazi music you know or the nazi philosophers or you know even politicians though who like you know, like Eichmann even saw the final solution as so elegant. He didn't see it as mur- brutally, horribly murdering millions of people in gas chambers and throwing them in mass graves. He viewed it as this really elegant, you know, social mass, political, social experiment. Um, And I'm sure there are plenty of Nazis that would say, oh, we really respect the Jews, and that's why they've got to go, kind of thing. And that's certainly what was built into Thrawn's character, and that's the part that's menacing. You don't need him to be so... And because of the subtle voice voice performance by uh, Lars Mikkelsen... um, Lars? Is that his name? Lars, yeah. Um, It it, it comes through... um, And other than that moment of anger we just saw, we don't normally see Thrawn just like totally lose it. Um, but, uh, the, the interesting part for and that's that's what Rebels does so brilliant with the kids and the adults is for the kids, Theron is just a, a scary, cool, evil, bad guy that they haven't seen before in terms of his color and the way he looks and the way he talks and the way he acts is all very different, um, to probably most of the audience, but certainly to kids, but to adults, it's that very menacing, you know, like, like I'm talking about like an intellectual Nazism essentially, you know, that has, that has, Convince themselves that this is all some part of grand, beautiful plan and design, and part of that is, you know, respecting y- your your enemies. Of course, they're drawing the wrong conclusions from our perspective, uh, but it certainly distinguishes him in the same way that Callus is slightly more civilized than the average imperial officer and slightly smarter. Um, and really, Callus's brains is one of the only way only ways he gets away. So here's Ezra, and uh, time to think about to your father. Uh oh! Yeah, here's the anti-grav working overtime. The sh- <laughs> giant Imperial cruiser just hovering. So when you're watching the Clone Wars, you realize that like the Star Destroyers and Imperial cruisers are just slightly modified forms of what the Republic used to fight the Separatists. You know, the, the Emperor built his entire arm like Palpatine. Chancellor Palpatine ha- was building his entire army for what would become the Empire, which which is brilliant. You know, it wasn't just about creating the separatist conflict to to gain power, but it was also because he built up the military. Ultimately, he knew the droids would get shut down and the Jedi would be murdered, but he needed the the, the military buildup. Couldn't do that without the help of the galaxy, and that's actually why he doesn't dissolve the Senate until a new uh, beginning of a new hope, which is like what twenty thirty years after. Um, no, no. Twenty years after the events of the prequels, uh, it, it's not he. He waits twenty years to fully dissolve the Senate um, because he does actually need them to govern the system, their systems and their quadrants and sectors for a while. But ultimately, they become too troublesome. And if he's going to blow up Alderaan, he has to dissolve the Senate because the Senate would is clearly irrelevant at the when you're at the point of blowing up planets. Even I have been captured before. Says so are dead. Sorry about the house. Yeah, here we go. Boom. This is like the... Maybe the only major, like, direct terrorist attack that we see in terms of... The the iconography and imagery Of blowing up your own stuff To to kill and maim the enemy I mean they do blow up tons of stuff With Sabine obviously And in the space battles But just the way that was portrayed Where everything goes silent And then suddenly everything explodes Oh Kanan just redirected the rocket At the fucking walker I totally forgot about that <laughs> And salutes the fucking moron and captain Yes yeah, Sabine and Maine My girl Get us out of here that is a sneakily cool episode. That is a sneakily cool episode, and, right, they've earned their victory today. That's, there's the respect. Oh, not to worry, Captain. Right, I found this whole experience to be very enlightening. Yep, he, he respects them enough to not pursue. It's not worth losing more ships. They're going to get away anyways, and he's learning all sorts of fun stuff about them so he can, you know, ultimately defeat them. Ah, uh, the calicori, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have you. Oh, but, but Kanan actually does get the the calicori at, at right before he, spoiler alert, dies in in the final season of Rebels. Uh Kanan uh uh gets uh, i guess theron must have must have preserved some of it before all the explosions happened and then Kanan gets for her sort of a present um in one of their final exchanges <laughs> and she's kind of drunk from the torture at the time she's like canan it's not a present it's mine and then he dies and it's sad but that was a great episode harris heroes crew trying to help out a friend and send a message to the empire the next episode is the last battle which again is one that you you sort of have to either like or appreciate the at least the clone wars if not the prequels um to really care about one last fight between the the the, the droids and um and the uh and sorry the um Uh, the droid army and the clone army Um, but because again they throw your expectations for a loop in the final part of that next episode The Last Battle where where both the droids and the the clones come to terms with the fact that they were just used by the Empire against each other Uh, and it's a very like you know meta closing of the book of of the whole prequel Clone Wars era It, it ends up being even way more interesting to someone like me who would normally not love an episode like that so Rebels continues to be great I love this show Thank you guys for joining me. Um, uh, I will probably have released my interview with Kyle Avery from The Saga Continues before you listen to this, but I'm interviewing him tonight. It hasn't happened yet, so I'm very excited about that. Hope you enjoy that interview. Hope you've been enjoying all the Star Wars content, my solo commentary with Simi, all my my interviews and commentaries with, with Tim, uh, now Kyle, and hopefully more great guests to come soon. Obviously, lots more commentary. So you guys have been awesome, as always. I have been the Bizzle, as always. May the Force be with you, as always. And as always, for now, the Bizzlecast is out.